0: Why don't you bow your heads and and, uh, let's pray together before we get into God's Word. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you for this amazing church that we have here, God. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to be in your Word, to be here, and to just worship you. Let us never take that for granted, because so many countries cannot do that, God. So we thank you that we never take that for granted, but we continue to worship and love you, Jesus, God. We thank you that just strength and peace and wisdom and joy just flood every single person that is a leader here in Canada and the world, God. We thank you that they are guided by you every day of their life. We think that we live in a democratic city and a democratic country, God, where we can elect even better ones if they don't guide us into, guide this country into your will, God. So we think that they will, and if not, we know that the ones in the future will continue to guide this country into your perfect will and plan. In the name of Jesus, every agreement said, amen. 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 Jesus Christ, the greatest man to ever walk this planet. The greatest man to ever walk, the greatest person to ever walk this earth. I talked a little bit about this last week if you were able to be here for our Easter service of how important it is for us to be reminded of what Jesus did for us and who he is to me and who he is to you. I think every day that we We are in the world that we live in, sitting in church right now. We take a lot of things for granted. We take a lot of things for granted. And some of these things we don't even realize that we do. We don't even realize that we do. And so last week, I spoke a little bit about what would happen if Jesus was never born. What would happen if Jesus was never born. I've been on this little journey myself this last little while to just wake up gratitude within me. To where I sit, where I stand, where I get to pray, where I get to just walk the halls and drink a coffee, where I get to just be able to hang out with so many other like-minded and amazing people in this church and in this world that we live in. And I think sometimes we take this for granted, not realizing what would it be like if Jesus never would have came, never would have been born. And so last week I I, uh, spoke a message and I mentioned I really want to do a message about this. And today, Because I get to be two weeks in a row this time, I figured I might as well just jump on that and just go with my gut and my heart today and talk about what if Jesus was never born. See, this beautiful thing that we see, even child dedication that we just did here at church, it hasn't always been like that in the world that we live in, where we have a value for human life like we do today. And to be able to just sit in church and watch and pray and just laugh and, and think the cutest little things you guys see on the screens that these babies smile and chuckle, man, it brings so much joy in the world that we live in children. Don't, don't they? It is amazing. It talks about it through the Bible all the time where it says, if we could just have the faith like a child, your faith would remain strong your entire life. Because children just see in a different way. They see things, everything just so positive, and everything so big and amazing, and oh my goodness, what would it be like without children? You know, before I get into my first point about what if Jesus was never born, I think there's one thing that I need to remind us all of. I spoke on this on Thursday at 20 Sums. We did a 20 Sums event on Thursday that just went awesome, and I spoke at it, and something that was really close to my heart at the time of speaking there was one question that I want you guys to think about while I speak today. And that question is, I want, to ask, I want you guys to ask yourself, why do you believe? Why do you believe in Jesus? We're going to circle back around to that question at the end of this message. Now, like I said, Jesus, the most important person that has ever walked this planet, he touched time when he was born into this world and he had a birthday. And that birthday forever and utterly altered the, the, the way that we measure time. Now the whole world, and many of us know this, the whole world counts time as B.C., before Christ. And A.D., which unfortunately, in most cases our generation, don't know what it actually means. Don't know that A.D. means Anno Domini, which means in the year of the Lord. I think that's really cool. And the reason I think that's really cool is because if you go to a library and you see row row and row of books... Every one of them, even if it contains anti-Christian hate or diatribes, has a reference to Jesus because of the date. That's something that's pretty amazing if you think about it. It doesn't matter what atheist book that you picked up that tries to disprove, that tries to tear you down, that tries to tear Jesus down, that tries to make him less than what he was, have to date that book <laughs> it's pretty interesting if you think about it. It's kind of funny for us to think about it that way now. AD, in the year of the Lord, not in a Lord, the Lord. Isn't that amazing to think about that too? There's so many different aspects and I hope that you're able as you sit here to listen to maybe a different message than what I normally preach. I hope you can take what I say today and really apply it and make you think a little bit deeper on what did Jesus change because Jesus changed so much in the world that we live in. It leads me into my point number one is human life was so cheap before Jesus came. I just described, we did a child dedication on this stage where we all were so excited. For many of you not even being up here, not even being a part of this, but we're so excited as human beings to celebrate one another. Can I tell you that it hasn't been always been like that? Can I tell you that we live in that today because of what Jesus did? But the only reason we did that is because Jesus came to the Earth to, to add value and to restore the value to each and every person. Not that they weren't valuable, but everyone was realizing, what the heck, like we were all made in the man and the, the likeness and image of God, but it seemed to be forgotten about. And the world that we lived in before, or the, the, the way back before Jesus in BC, it was pretty gross. It was a pretty gross world. We, we have human life was so cheap. It was expendable. It was something that was like, oh yeah, whatever. It's, it's just, it was something as simple as, I don't even know. It was something that had absolutely no value. We talk about children, like we just said, back in the day, children were not before Jesus viewed as valuable. They were not viewed as cute little beings that come to this, this earth and they, they make families flourish and deepen this love in this family like never before. These little babies, the, the power that they have is quite phenomenal. But children were sacrificed before Jesus came. Crazy archaeologists, like I said last week too, have unearthed ancient cemeteries near pagan temples of babies that have been sacrificed. For example, in what used to be Carthage, if you're kind of more of a history person, before the Jewish conquest of the promised land, child sacrifice among Canaanites was a commonplace. I hated the word commonplace is in the same line as that. It was a commonplace. The prophets of the ancient god Baal and his wife Astrith commonly practice child sacrifice as part of their worship. Can you imagine? What, what would our faith be if we had to sacrifice children to worship God? It would not be faith. It would not be love. It would not be value. It would not be acceptance. It would not be forgiveness. It wouldn't mean anything. It'd be what? This does not make sense. It was easy for people to abandon newborns if they simply just didn't want them. They did not in droves. They would leave them in forests for wild animals to eat. And I'm sorry for this mental picture that some of you are getting with my opening of this message. I really am. But sometimes we forget the world that we live in today and how it was provided by the amazing message of Jesus Christ, not realizing what was the world like before Jesus. It was a pretty dark and evil place. To make matters worse back in the day, any children that outlived infancy were property of their father before Jesus came. And he could kill them at his whim. It was not only legal, it was applauded back then. Killing a Roman was murder, but it was a commonly held in, the, in Rome that killing one's own child could be an act of beauty. I almost, when I was reading about this and, and studying, I almost couldn't wrap my head around it because of the way we live today. Another, another human life that was completely valueless back in the day before Jesus came was Women. Prior to Christian influence, a woman's life was also so very cheap. In ancient cultures, the wife was the property of her husband. In China, Rome, Greece, and India, people felt and declared that women were not able or competent to be independent. Although in Rome, about third century, you find maybe the upper class women start to gain their independence, and they start to assert it more often. But Aristotle said that a woman was somewhere between a free man and a slave, and when we understand how valueless a slave was in ancient times, we get a glimpse of how bad women's fates were back then. Plato taught that if a man lived a cowardly life, he'd be reincarnated as a woman. It almost brings a giggle to us right now because we're like, what? That's, in, that's insane. And then they said if, if she lived a, a cowardly life, she would be in, uh, reincarnated as a bird. Do we see the difference in value? Another life that was so cheap before Jesus was the elderly. The second the elderly were unable to supply any type of value back into the society that they live in, they would be disposed of too. It's insane when we start to really read what Jesus changed. And I believe that so many of us believe in Jesus today but don't actually fully grasp what life was like before. And I truly believe in order for us to really dig deep into why we believe we need to understand that we need to understand how amazing Jesus was and what he did for us to live the world that we, that live in the world that we now live in today another example is slavery for human life which we still see it in some countries today but in almost every country where the gospel has gone in there and actually been spread and believed upon and taught it gets abolished because value of human life, every human life, and that's what I appreciate so much about Jesus, is that he taught every life is valuable. That's different. Yeah, give Jesus a hand. <laughs> Enter in religion, and we have this religi- religious side that if you don't believe what I believe, then we are in different spots, and we don't, we can't be friends, we can't talk. Oh my goodness. Religion has separated more than ever before too. Jesus wasn't coming to the earth to say let's all separate and believe slightly different things. It's true. He was coming to say can we just, just love each other? And I'm going to get on to that a little, bit, a little while later. He was just saying can we just love? I see this world that is so corrupt and evil Jesus was thinking and God sent his son because we need to save this place. I almost think of it as a superhero. That's like you got to go because this is getting way too bad. We got we to gotta bring the teaching of love and value back into this world. Otherwise, it's going down a path we don't want to be in. You, you have another example of, 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 uh, of how cheap human life was with the gladiator time. And we all view back and see movies and we're like, oh my gosh, these gladiator movies are crazy. But back in the day, this is killing for sport. It was actually killing for entertainment of the elite, essentially, is what it was. It was just this crowd that were watching and and drinking and watching and going, hey, oh yeah, they're going to kill each other. Like, that's insane. We think UFC and boxing is cruel. Right? It's insane when you think back to what this is. I hope you get the point that I am making. Jesus, Christianity, the people influenced by Christianity, whether it happened when Jesus was on earth, or thousands of years later, people influenced by the gospel of Jesus have played a massive part at bringing back value to the human being, just has. And with a little while ago, uh, this is actually not even a little while ago, this was probably when I was 17 or 18, me and my dad went to a uh, pastor's conference and it was in Amsterdam. And we, a lot of pastors you probably would never even have heard of if I would, were to, to list their names off. And so my dad was speaking there, and we were, we were able, I was there to, I used to work in media, so I used to do a lot of camera work and miking, and, 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 uh, and we'd do interviews within, with my dad and with this amazing pastor. And there's one pastor that sticks out to me um, when we met him, and he was an older man that lived in Fiji. And he personally told us that his ministry there have knocked onto every single door on the Fijian island, either sharing Jesus with them or inviting them to church, every single door, which is absolutely phenomenal. And as I was studying for this message, we look back to 1855. We have a guy named H.L. Hastings who went to Fiji. This is 1855, okay? And he found that you could literally purchase a human being for $7, 1855. And $7 was actually, it was cheaper to buy a, or sorry, it was more expensive to buy a cow back then, 1855. This is not that long ago. He left for a a number of years, and then this Hastings guy came back, and he realized he couldn't buy a human being anywhere. He realized that not for seven bucks, not for a hundred bucks, not for a hundred million dollars, he could not buy a human being anywhere. And he started to dig down. Why? Well, it's because there was, since the time that he left, the time that he came back, there was 1,200 Christian chapels that got planted in Fiji. Not only preaching the word of God, but preaching that you were already bought and paid for by Jesus on the cross. And that is, is where this, this value comes from. Again, this comes back down. And again, this is a little bit of a different message, I feel. It feels like it's, it is to me. But again, this comes back to our why. And sometimes our why as Christians are just, it's is kind of fickle. It's kind of like, oh, we believe because we've always believed. Or we believe because we're in fear. Or we believe because it's like it's the right thing to do. It's, we believe because our, all our friends do it. We believe because it's all we've ever done or known. And all these whys don't hold up very long. And your faith begins to fade if you don't have that concrete why you believe in Jesus. And I hope that even with just this little teaching today, that it helps maybe just establish a little bit more of a firm ground for you to have a stronger why, as why Jesus? Why do you believe in Jesus? See, it was crazy the changes that have happened to the value of human life since Jesus came. And why? Because it was the words that he spoke. It was the way that he shared his message. It was the way that he made everyone feel valuable as we read about Jesus I encourage you, go home and start reading all about just Jesus. Read the Gospels. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and start to really understand what Jesus' life was like and you'll start to see value everywhere. Value for every person. It didn't matter if he disagreed with them didn't matter anything. It was a value that we need to take on. It was, it was, it was verses that, that we have now that we can see that this is what Jesus would have been doing. He would walk around, and he'd be saying like this, Jeremiah 1.5, it says this, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Now again, I'm going to get you to take a step back in that verse and go, what if you felt down and out? What if you felt lonely? What if you felt unloved? What if you felt depressed? What if you felt suicidal? What if you felt like there's no reason for you to be on this planet? And then Jesus comes up to you in the flesh 2,000 years ago and says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet of the nation. Can you imagine what that would do to you? Having Jesus tell you that? Or maybe he comes up to you and says in Psalms 127.3, behold, you're a child and children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. How amazing is that? Or in Genesis 1:26, we all know this one. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. Can you imagine if you saw Jesus coming up to you and you felt down and out? You felt like you were value You felt like you were cheap. You felt like you were expendable. You felt like if you died, nothing would happen. And Jesus looks at you and goes, hey, you matter. Hey, did you know that you're made in my image? Would that change your, your, your belief back in the day? Would that change in how you feel? Maybe we don't have physical Jesus right now to say that to you, but we have his word and his word is true. His word brings life. His word, his word brings freedom. So there's a good chance that if Christ was never born, you wouldn't be alive today. And We all go, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, good point. It's like, no, sit in that for a second. Let your emotions take over just for a little bit. Okay, we talk that don't let your emotions take over, but sometimes we need to sit in some empathy or sympathy and go, hey, What does this actually mean for where I am right now? What does this actually mean for this life that I live right now? There's a chance that if Christ never came, you wouldn't be alive today. Number two, charity is something else that was absolutely changed by Jesus when he came to this earth. Before Jesus, it was all about doing all you can to survive, become the biggest, the most powerful that you can be. There wasn't this understanding of charity. There wasn't this understanding of helping others in need. There wasn't this understanding of helping the homeless or the poor or the downtrodden. All of this just didn't happen. Polybius, a Greek historian, historian that, was, that was born around B.C. 264, I believe. He lived for around 100 years, and he had many things that he wrote about. And one of the things that he wrote about, he said, and I quote, in Rome, no one ever gives away anything to anyone if he can help it. What? That means there was no reason to value human life before Jesus came. It was about how can I live the best life I can. That's it, Period. Jesus set the great example of helping the poor, of caring for the poverty stricken and the downtrodden. His bid, he bid his followers to go and do likewise. We see that through the Bible. There's there's teachings in the word of God when Jesus asks people to give everything they own to the poor. This shows the value of what Jesus was trying to bring back to the world by charity, by helping others in need. There's many reports and many witnesses that still say to this day how much Christians helped those in need for all of our history. All charity points back to Christ. All charity points back to Christ. But I need you guys to please understand me as I say this. I am not saying that only Christians take care of people and value people. I'm not saying that. So please don't write that down in your notebook or your phone and then post it all over Instagram, okay? (laughs) I'm saying the value of people, the mercy and compassion for human beings, the caretaking of the homeless and the downtrodden is done today by many non-Christians and Christians alike, but it's founded on Jesus Christ and his teachings. That's what I'm saying. Whether they think it or not, it is. Just like when you date a book... 200 BC, like BC, before Christ. So there it is right there, right? Like in the year of the Lord. This is the things that we do every single day. Jesus cared deeply for absolutely everyone in a world that was so selfish and so selfish. He instructed his followers to change the world in his name by embracing two essential commandments. Do you remember those commandments? There are amazing commandments. One guy asked Jesus, said, what are the greatest commandments, Jesus? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. The second one is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then it goes on to the great commission that we find later in Matthew. I think verse 28 Matthew verse 28, 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Do we understand why Jesus was asking them to go make disciples of all nations? Because he wanted us to be able to live in a place where we could be valued. He wanted us to live in a place where we could value others. He wanted us to live in a world where we could feel loved. How amazing is that? That's why he's saying, go make disciples of all nations and love God first and foremost. Why? Because the love of God, the love of Christ is what changes people. You can't physically love someone by yourself to the degree that that Christ can love them. And when you realize that the love of Jesus is so deep that when you learn that love and you can share that love with others, it changes people's lives. It always will, it'll never stop. Let's put this in perspective for people that think Jesus is all about being worshipped and it's all about him for selfish reasons. Jesus brought an entirely new way of living to the world. And in order for him to transform the world with love for one another, one of his greatest commandments, it could have been, it could have been hey, worship me for the rest of your life and do nothing else. But no, his greatest commandment, one of them was go love others. We can't we can't we can't chalk that up as selfishness. We can't chalk that up as some god that desperately needs to be worshiped. Of course we worship him because of what he's done for us because he's deserving. But when he came to the earth and God sent Jesus, Jesus said, "Hey, just make the world more loving." That's it. Because he knew that if we could fully grasp onto what love meant, we'd start to understand the message of Jesus. And if we understand the message of Jesus everywhere that we go, we see freedom, we see liberty, we see just this love and value like never before. See, one of his greatest commandments is to simply love one another. And if that doesn't make you realize that Jesus had a plan to add love into this world everywhere that he could, not because it was all about him, but that he saw an evil world that needed love. That's it. This gives me a completely new love and a new acceptance and a new value of Jesus. It's not that just this son of man, this God that walked the earth and we, we, we trust in him and his birthday we celebrate every Christmas. I think C.S. Lewis said, without, without Jesus, winter would always come but Christmas wouldn't. Can you imagine? I'm not talking about the Christmas that that we've commercialized. I'm I'm talking about the Christmas of of giving honor to where honor is due, to to celebrate the birth of the most amazing person in the entire world that changed our world for the better. That's something that we always got to do. Can you imagine winter always coming, but Christmas not? That's depressing. (laughs) Let me tell you, that's really depressing to me. From a purely uh, secular, atheistic perspective, there is no reason why, no reason why a person should be concerned about the poor. And no reason why they should care about anybody for that matter. We saw that before Jesus came in the Roman Empire, in the Roman world, in many different places that just didn't know about Jesus before he came. And it was continually just killing and just complete, just try to get to the the highest position position possible by backstabbing and murdering and killing. It wasn't even considered murder because Jesus established that. Jesus is the reason that we find value and love and look to care for one another. If you take away God, we have no reason to care for other people. First service was the same. You could hear a pin drop. (laughs) No other reason. Do we get that? I feel like I'm running out of time a little bit here, but there's a few more that I'll list quickly that Jesus changed for the better. Education for everyone not just for the elite. Look into it yourself for sure. Government of the people, for the people, by the people. That was Jesus's concern. It wasn't that this government got in and it's all about whoever is in the elite side and everyone else sucks. No. Jesus wanted a democratic society in which the people could run and go and make the world a better place. And finally, freedom for all. I could go on and on, by the way, but I'm gonna stop there. Freedom for all. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. The message message of Jesus brings freedom. But we are required to be the great messengers of that word. So people accept the word and believe in Jesus. Jesus. Can you imagine 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross, if you were someone who saw this, that probably answered the deepest why you believe you would ever imagine. And without those people spreading the good news of Jesus after Jesus was gone, we wouldn't be believing on that today. Who knows if Canada would be that type of country where we can have access to Bibles, have access to the Word of God, have access to change our life with the love of Christ. This all happened because great messengers, after Jesus died, kept spreading the word. And the reason they kept spreading the word was because they had a deep reason why. Not what, they had a deep reason why. The point is, is that when you answer that question of why do I believe, that why fuels you for everything you will do in the future, and your faith will no longer still slowly fade away. Because when the Bible talks about being a lukewarm Christian, lukewarm Christianity is kind of just staying stagnant. It's kind of not doing anything with it. And I don't mean many people choose that, and they're like, I'm going to be a lukewarm Christian. I think people just get kind of stuck in the spot of they don't know what to do. And I firmly believe that lukewarm and not having a why go hand in hand. But if you have a why, okay, let's back up for a second. Can you imagine if you had a, like, think about any why that you have that helps you accomplish anything you've done in this world, whether it's school, whether it's post-secondary, whether it's business, whether it's being a CEO, whether it's building your business, whatever it is, the why of just Building a business will not build you a great business. You have to find that why behind it. If you want to work out, you can work out for vain reasons and just want to look good and and, and have everyone see you and go, wow, that guy or girl must work out. That's not going to keep you working out. You need to have a deeper why. And the deeper why goes, hey, why is it that you work out? And never forget talking to people about their why. When I see people working out and they're consistent, I love to ask them, why do you though? And I don't very often get the answer of like, well, I just want to look better. <laughs> it's fair. And fair, okay? It's fair if you want to look better. That's fine. But that's not going to be the why that fuels you to have a lifetime of working out. It's not. At some point, I'm like, okay, I don't really care anymore. You know? I'm just like, whatever. I'd rather have a cheeseburger. Let's be honest. What is your why? Because when I talk to people that actually are on this journey of becoming healthy, their why usually is something based on love. And God is love. What is that love? I talked to one person a while back and I was like, why? Why do you do what you do? Why are you, why are you calorie counting? Why are you, are you limiting the, the amount that you eat? Why are you trying to lose weight? Why are you trying to work out? Why are you trying to be this way? And I was thinking it was just going to be another answer of just like, well, I just want to feel better. That's great. That's a good reason but I don't think it's a great enough reason why to keep you fueled going forward, but they said, because I have kids, and I think in my future that when they get married, I want to walk them down the aisle. If I continue on this path, I'm not going to walk them down the aisle, and I thought, interesting. That's a why. That's a why based on love, if the people of, of of the time of Jesus didn't establish their why in something foundational and impactful and something that changes generations, we wouldn't know about Christianity today. We wouldn't. Because we God needs messengers like you and me to take this word of God and to go and share it with everyone. Not with the turner burn strategy, okay? but with the spirit contemporary approach that you matter. Me and you might not believe the same things, but you're a human life. You're a human being. And because you're a human being, I might not care about the belief you have, but I care about you. It's this human being lovingness that we need to have in the world that we live in because everything that we see on the news, everything we see in any political effort, so many times it's about just dividing people. And it's like, can we reestablish the fact that we can divide beliefs, but let's not divide and, and the unity between just human beings. Because we all have something in common, every single person. And this is something I had to come to, 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 to grasp to, is that the worst criminal in, the, in jail, incarcerated right now on death row, Jesus loves. And you're like, well, yeah, that's hard for me to wrap my head around. I'm like, wrap your head around it, okay? Because it needs to be wrapped around because you need to understand that that's the value, the love that Jesus has for every single person. And you know what that means for you? If you ever screw up, Jesus loves you. And it doesn't matter how bad that screw up gets. So when you think about someone else that maybe not doesn't deserve love, think about yourself in that same predicament. And you might go, well, I wouldn't deserve love. Well, it doesn't matter what you deserve because he just loves you. Thank God it's not about deserving. At the beginning of this message, I asked you a question. If you believe in Jesus, why do you? Why do you? People ask me often, how do I do devotions? How do I strengthen my relationship with God? I always say, well, we'll just spend time with him. But now I'm changing that answer. And I'm saying, find your why. Because if you don't find that why, you will never spend time like in, in consecutively. It'll never be a habit. It'll never be something that you actually do to continue your relationship with God. At some point, you'll be like, "I have time. I'm going to do it." And then all of a sudden, your life's going to get busier. Because wake up every year that you're on this earth, it's going to get busier. You think you just got re- you just retired? It probably still somehow got busier. I don't know how it does, but it does. You know what I mean? It just the busyness always overtakes. And so if we don't have a strong why to our belief we will never stick with it and the second you don't have your why your faith slowly fades your entire life your entire life it fades but if you have that strong why you no longer have to ask anyone else of like how do i do this you all know when you have a strong why let's just Pick apart working out again. You will look up everything before you start working out. After your workout, you will look up what's the best way to grow muscle. What's the best way to cut fat. What's the best foods to eat so I can continue to do this. You will look it up until you are an expert. Yet so many of us don't do that with Jesus. Because we just don't have a strong why. It's just like, yeah, we go to church. It makes us feel good. We can get our coffee. We can have some good relationships. We love to raise our kids there. It's really important for that. That's great. But our why needs to be ours. My why is different than yours, and I'm glad it is, because your why needs to be your own. I was raised in a pastor's family, my dad was Leon, and I can easily just go, well, I believe, because my mom and dad believed. And that can get you through quite a while until you can't do that anymore, because you have to find your own why. And if you don't find your own why, it will not fulfill you. It will never fulfill you. It will be stuck in the spa. Why do I believe what I believe? Do I believe it simply because I should? Do I believe it because it's fear? Do I believe it because it's all I've ever known? All those reasons are fickle and they will never produce a strong faith that will last my lifetime and into my kid's lifetime, into my kid's kid's lifetime. But when I'm a great grandparent, I hope I can be around to see my great grandkids and ask them why they believe. And I hope their answer is, because I love Jesus because of this and this and this. Not because, well, well Grandpa, you told me to. <laughs> that means the second Grandpa's gone, the faith is too. What is our why? What is our why? Ask yourselves that every day that you live. Because when you find that why, oh, I'm beating a dead horse right now. But I'm doing it for a good reason. <laughs> Like, I'm just trying to get us to understand this why behind what we believe. We know what? We're here all the time. But for you to step into the next amazing plan that God has for you, to step in the next path that God's guiding for you, you need to know why you're doing it. It needs to be, I believe in Jesus because. And if this message a little bit of what the world looked like before Jesus, I hope it helped you just a little bit on just finding that why. Maybe on a more history basis. But find it in your own world too. Encourage your children to find their own why as well. Encourage who you know to find their own why as well. Because that is what keeps Christianity faith going. Is a group of people spreading the word of God out of their own commitment and love for it. Not because they're told to do by their pastor. I never want you to go and share God's word because I said it on stage. You guys should be doing this. I want you guys to go, yeah, I have something I need to never keep to myself. Before I pray, because I'm already over time, please don't be a granola Christian like my dad always used to say, which is a fruit, nut, and a flake, you know? Don't be that guy or that girl that has the Turner Burns sign, please. Okay, the worst thing that we can do is run to Jesus in fear, okay? The best thing we can do is walk to Jesus calmly with peace, realizing this is where I want to go. The worst thing that we can do is look at someone and and shove Jesus down their throat as you need to do this, otherwise your life's going to be crazy. No, the best thing we can do is have a spirit contemporary approach and look at them and go, hey, if you're not into church yet, that's okay. I love you still. Let's go for coffee. Let's go have dinner. Let's go hang out. Just being in that relationship with you and you having your strong why, they'll see it. I promise you. And let Holy Spirit guide you. You have those gut feelings when you walk into a coffee shop and you think, I should go talk to that person. Go. Well, I don't know what to say. Say, hey, how's it going? (laughs) (laughs) Say, how are you doing today? Say, how has your week been? Don't go, hey, you believe in Jesus? oh, I wish I could intervene on every one of those conversations. Sometimes it works. I mean, I can't say it doesn't. But majority of the time, you're getting someone that is a little getting, getting a little cringy. And so we need to make it a spirit contemporary approach to realize that we can share Jesus in a phenomenal way. And without the amazing people 2,000 years ago having their strong why as to spreading this amazing message of Jesus, Christianity would not be as widespread as it is today. And it needs to be more widespread. We have many countries that aren't, aren't even touched by it yet. But I just want to say one last thing and then I'm closing. <laughs> this might be a 10-minute last thing. No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <sighs> it just, it has to be said. When we spread this amazing love of Jesus, that is the why that we give to other people. The why of, of, of loving them for who they are. You don't need to accept them and their beliefs. You accept them as a person because they're a human being, but you don't have to accept what they believe in. Just because you're talking to someone doesn't mean you align with their beliefs. It means that you are like Jesus and you care for people. And it's only the caring for people that will take this world to a better place. That is it, nothing more. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? See, that was a quick point. Every single week we take time to, to pray the salvation prayer. And whether you're sitting here right now and you've been a Christian your entire life, or maybe you're sitting here going, I want that Jesus that you talk about. Maybe you didn't realize all that you live in today is much because of what Jesus did when he was on the earth spreading this gospel. And I want to just do a quick salvation right now for any of you that that are sitting here right now and and you haven't, you don't believe in Jesus, you aren't a Christian, and you want to be accepted in this prayer with no one looking around, every eye closed. This is just an intimate moment between myself, God, and whoever wants to accept Jesus today. But if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand right now and just look up at me and, and I'm going to accept you in that prayer. Whatever it is, I'm just going to say thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. So good. Wherever you sit, it's so good to be able to be in God's family. There's no one looking around. You don't got to feel nervous. You don't got to feel anxious. Thank you. So good. Jesus loves you, and this is why we do it. It's the value of people. That's all. Sometimes right now you're feeling fear. You're feeling like, oh, I shouldn't do it. I don't know why. I feel, I feel weird. No, don't feel that. That's just the enemy saying, don't do it, don't do it. And he's saying, don't do it because your life's going to be Amazing. That's what, he, that, that's what he should be whispering in your ear. I'm gonna look around for one more second here. And if that's you and I haven't yet, thank you. If I haven't yet gotten your hand, please just raise it real quick and we'll start to pray as a family and a church. Thank you, so good, so good. Thank you, awesome. Ah, I love church. I love being in God's presence here today. Awesome, well the prayer goes like this. Everyone in this auditorium, please repeat after me. Father, in Jesus' name, I give you my life. Please come into my heart. From today and on, I'm following you. Give me the power to change every day, every year, for the rest of my life. Jesus, I'm following you. In your name, amen and amen. Awesome. So good.